I'm Polly. I'm a mom, a wife, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and founder of No Kegels University. I have helped thousands of women stop leaking, enjoy intimacy, and feel proud of their bodies, even after having kids. After years of listening to women wonder why no one talks about leaking, how they should properly recover after having a baby, and that pleasurable intimacy is possible, I started to get real frustrated because I believe that no mom or woman should struggle when there are answers. It became my mission to shed light on the lack of postpartum care and the lack of discussion on issues that relate to women and their health, even if they can be uncomfortable sometimes. It also became my mission to change the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more. Here we go. Episode number four, why postpartum care needs to step it up. In today's episode, I want to talk to you a little more about why I think postpartum care needs to be better and give you a couple of examples of other scenarios where there's other body parts that are receiving a lot more care and attention when really the pelvic floor is the star of the show in a lot of your daily life. So let's get into it. The first point is this. When I mentioned that there's other body parts that kind of steal the show when really the pelvic floor should be the star of the show, what I mean by this is when there is a surgery on a knee or a shoulder or a back, there is a protocol in place. So not only does the surgeon cut into the skin and the fascia and different muscle groups, but when they're done, they get sent to physical therapy right away. And there are certain milestones that they have to hit. So maybe in the first two weeks, all this person gets to do is not put weight on that foot. Maybe if it's a knee surgery or hip, depending on what the surgery is. And if it's a shoulder, I'm sure you've seen people in the grocery store or have family members that have had shoulder surgeries where their arms are in slings. They don't get to move those muscles. Why? Because the surgeon wants to be able to protect the integrity of the surgery that he performed. Makes total sense, right? And in the first two weeks, they still might not be getting to use that particular joint that had the surgery, but what might be allowed is range of motion Or maybe there is some strengthening, but it's ever so slightly. Or you might be strengthening other body parts. Like if it was a shoulder surgery, you might get to move your elbow and move your wrist and move your fingers so that you are making sure that all those muscles are staying strong to support the area that just experienced some trauma. Maybe as the weeks go on, once once those range of motion goals have been hit, then maybe you get to start moving that joint a little bit. So if it, this is the shoulder, then maybe you get to start lifting that shoulder on its own, even though the shoulder remains in the sling. And then as the weeks go on, then maybe you get to start adding a little bit of weight or a resistance span. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it goes on and on and on. And there's a bunch of different phases. 
which I'm sure you're hearing this and saying, yeah, yeah, of course, we want to protect the integrity of that surgery. And we want to make sure that those muscles respond well and that healing is actually taking place. Because if you're not sleeping, you're not healing. And if you're conked out on pain meds throughout this whole recovery, then you're probably getting some good sleep, even though it might be hard to sleep through the night because of pain or what have you. But you're sleeping pretty good and healing is is a big component to this. So then let's take this and let's compare it against a postpartum journey. So if you tore with childbirth or you had a C-section or even if you had an episiotomy, you still receive stitches of some kind and in a C-section, that's six layers of tissue that they cut through. And if you tore or had an episiotomy, they're still stitching your muscles back up. And you'll see the doctor at six weeks and he or she will say, oh yeah, looks good. Sometimes I don't even take a look and you're left to carry on. Can you see how this kind of frustrates me a little bit and really should frustrate you? As far as I'm concerned, I also think that there needs to be milestones for you to reach in your postpartum recovery because there's a lot of things that need to be considered that don't get to be considered like they do in a shoulder recovery or a hip surgery recovery or a knee surgery recovery. One, those guys or ladies got to be referred to a physical therapist. It's standard. You know that if you have surgery on a joint or a muscle, you go to physical therapy right away. But having a baby, you could have your abdomen cut open. Um, hello, surgery. You could tear and be stitched back up, um, hello, surgery, or you could be cut open, an episiotomy, and then sewn back up, um, hello, surgery, and then they just tell you to go on your way? This is where I really, really get kind of fed up with this, that I just don't think postpartum care is what it could be. So that's my first point. My second point that I like to, and, and, and I'll say there's a lot more to point number one, but I just want to give you a couple of illustrations. So my second point is, let me first tell you about my dog, June Bug. So this last summer, we bred her, and unfortunately, she was unable to deliver all of her puppies at home. She did two at home, and then after two emergency room visits... Um, she had a C-section and they were able to deliver the last four puppies. And when I went to pick her back up, they told me, my instructions were, okay, if she needs help getting into the car, go ahead and help her. If she needs help getting out of the car, go ahead and help her. And then she needs to be on a leash for the next two weeks, which maybe this is another time I wish I had a YouTube channel, but if you have seen my Instagram and seen any highlights of June B or June Bug, Junie, however we like to call her, she is a very, very energetic dog, incredibly energetic. And I thought, oh my word, that is going to be so hard. And then I realized, no, they just cut her belly open. I myself have had two C-sections. This 
okay, that's not a problem to keep her on a leash for two weeks. Let's keep her activity very low. And so they were right. I had to help her up into the backseat of the car. I had to help her out. She was very stiff. I could tell she was uncomfortable and in pain. And I also could tell that she, you could still tell that there was some effects of the anesthesia. And so I brought her into the garage. You know, we brought the puppies in there. They all got to nurse and I let her be for a little bit, just let her sleep. And then I came back out to let her out of her box with the puppies so she could go outside and go potty. And I let her go. I didn't think about the leash because she was so careful with her movement and hesitant and she needed help you know, just an hour ago to get out of the car. And I had to help her even into the whelping box. And that girl, June, she, as soon as I opened the box of the door or the door of her whelping box, she jumps over it. She goes running out into the yard and we have a really big yard. And she went tearing back to the back end of the property, went running around the shop. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like just you just barely got out of surgery like an hour and a half ago. Like get back here. And she's running everywhere and I thought, "Oh gosh, everything is just going to be tore open." And while yes, that was totally my mistake. I should have had her on a leash. I couldn't have imagined that she would take off like that. But the one thing I noticed is throughout her recovery, and of course, I probably was a little paranoid and maybe a little psycho as it came to her recovery because of knowing what I know. But I will say she wanted to move. She felt better. I could I could tell this. And even in my own recovery, I can talk about my C-section stories later because I had a pretty good recovery with most of them because I implemented a different strategy than what the nurses wanted me to do. Those nurses wanted me to stay in bed. And that's one thing I don't think proper movement and encouragement for movement is really happening as much as what I think it should. Now, I don't, let me be clear. I don't want all the way at the other, all the way at the other end of the spectrum as June B's story where she's running all over the yard and sprinting. And I'm just convinced that she's going to tear stitches open. You don't need to be sprinting all over your house when you come home from the hospital three or four days later, I don't mean that, but I do think that proper movement should be encouraged a lot more often. And I also think too, nature, right? June didn't need any cues. She knew what felt good to her. She let her body kind of decide. And while you could totally make the argument that sprinting across our yard into the backside of the property was not the best idea, to her, it felt good. And to be able to move can change how your body responds to pain and can really help allow healing to happen. And my point number three, and I'll be honest, when I first read this, I was so incredibly hopeful. And I'm not necessarily pointing fingers here because I have talked to some obstetricians or OBs and they said that they are actually unaware and it's not that commonly talked about. So I I don't want to come across as though I'm pointing fingers, but I do want to come across that this is something that has come up recently and it just hasn't changed. Okay, so I'm probably biasing you here. So I think it was in May of 2018 because I remember I was pregnant when I saw this. 
that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, there was a committee opinion that came out, and this was a several-page document that outlined some of the changes that they wanted to see take place within postpartum care. And some of the ones that stood out and more so of how it relates to me and my job was that a doctor or a nurse from the office where you've been seen calls you and asks you a series of questions. They even suggested that maybe home visits could be an option, which I can't imagine that happening, but even a phone call. And this phone call was supposed to ask you several questions. And the ones that I remember, and I'll tell you that those are not happening, was to screen you for postpartum depression and to ask you about incontinence and pain with intercourse. Now, I can't remember the order because I know that there was supposed to be some follow-up later, but I, I bring this up and I... I don't want to come across as though, yes, every mom needs to be called within one to three days after having their baby. And this was different than the hospital visits. But it just was really interesting to me that this was something where I expected to have an influx of patients because doctors and nurses and the nurse practitioners and the PAs, this committee opinion article really gave the impression that there was going to be a lot more follow-up, that they were going to be a little more inquisitive as to the symptoms that could come with pelvic floor dysfunction. And there was lots of other topics in there about nursing, how you were sleeping, nursing relating to lactation, I should say, how you were sleeping. There, There was a whole host of questions. And every once in a while, I'll ask a patient or a coaching client, hey, were you ever asked these questions? They weren't. And unfortunately, I have not seen a change (laughs) and I wish that I could wave my magic wand, but I also tell you this so that you know that you can advocate for yourself and that you, that you get to change how your postpartum journey looks. And that's exactly why I started this podcast was to increase the awareness and to shed light on that the postpartum care really is not great. And I'll even add that seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist is standard in European countries. I remember I had a patient and I forget what country she was. It was some European country and she started having leakage and pain with intercourse. And she went to the mom's group of her country that uh, she grew up in And she was asking them, oh my word, have you experienced incontinence and pain with intercourse? And she said, every mom that responded to her said, well, aren't you seeing a pelvic physiotherapist? Aren't you seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist? Didn't they refer you to pelvic floor physical therapy? Because it's standard over there. Now, when it comes time to the Olympics, I am team USA all the way. Doesn't matter what the sport is, doesn't even matter if we are the favorite to win. I am still Team USA because I do believe in our country. But I'm telling you, as far as it comes with postpartum care, I mean, we're struggling. We're really struggling when we shouldn't be struggling. I wish I could say I have answers on this because my answer would be well, every doctor needs to do this. But I don't get to decide how doctors work. 
I do get to decide the information that I share with you and the education that I provide that you get to be your best advocate. If you think that you need pelvic floor physical therapy, in a lot of states, it's it's direct access. You don't necessarily need a physician's permission. Now, insurance, maybe that's a different story, but there's a lot of ways for you to access help, and I encourage you to do so. And one of the reasons I bring this up is because research is showing us that there's a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction that does not get managed, and the average of getting help is seven to eight years. I am appalled by that. And as much as I don't want to get riled up on this podcast about it, that makes me so mad because the doctors literally could say, you know, I don't even know what this pelvic floor PT does, but they say it helps. I don't understand. You could go. They don't even have to be that encouraging of it. They It could at least come out of their mouth to help cut down on this seven to eight years average of someone needing help that has pelvic floor dysfunction. And I'll also even add that when it doesn't get taken care of, it creates problems in other body parts that have been shown to come back to, oh, this was a pelvic floor dysfunction that never got managed or improved or corrected or cared for. So you can see that Well, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should have been a lawyer. I'm not sure how strong my closing argument is, but I, I get pretty heated about this because it's a very easy referral to make. It's something that, in my opinion, should be standard. And while someone could say that I'm biased on this topic, that, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, get more money and, and in that regard, like it's a financial gain for me, no way. You are not in the office with me. You are not on those coaching calls with me. When I see these women who feel broken, who feel that they are never going to be themselves again, who feel that they cannot show up as the mom they want to be because their bodies aren't letting them and they are not getting the help that they need. Okay, okay. I feel like I've gotten a little riled up about this, but for good reason, I hope that you can see why postpartum care in the U.S. needs to step up. And I wish that I could say it was that easy that everybody gets to have pelvic floor physical therapy, but that's not necessarily how our system works. But what I do know is that you can share this episode or you can share this information with a friend that's having a baby. Hey, I think you should check out pelvic floor physical therapy. It's actually standard in other countries. You can say something simple like that, or you can bring the pelvic floor up in a very respectful and conservative way so that other women know that they don't have to struggle in silence and that they can know that there are answers. So today's homework. Are you ready? I want you to share this with somebody. (laughs) That's what I want you to do. And the second piece of this homework is if you are, and if you don't want to do the second piece, you don't have to, but schedule a pelvic floor strategy call with me. In 15 minutes, you and I will come up with at least three strategies and you'll walk away with a month's worth of pelvic floor workouts so that we can get your pelvic floor back on track and strong or if you just need to maintain it, we can we can definitely have that conversation about those strategies that are specific to you. And remember, you're an heiress and a queen, 
and everything in between. If you enjoyed this episode or even wondered if I can help you, check the show notes for more details. And to see what else I'm up to, follow me on the socials at Beyond the V, period, by Polly. Because I'm changing the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more, I still need your help. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend or two. See you next week.